Gold XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please remember to drop a sub, drop a like, and leave your thoughts down below in the comments. With that, we will see you guys in the podcast. Peter, welcome back to the World XP Podcast. It's been a little while. We were just chatting about uh, some milestone numbers you've hit. You had your first million play reel, hit 100,000 followers on Instagram, I think, what, 50,000 on YouTube or something like that? 60,000 now on YouTube. 60,000. So you are growing quite rapidly at the minute. So that is, I mean, well, first, welcome back. But secondly, congratulations. That's awesome. Well, thank you, man. Happy to be back. So... For those that didn't watch the first time uh, or didn't listen the first time, um, Peter is, I guess you could go ahead and do the introduction so I don't mess it up because you you think I shouldn't have, I shouldn't mess this up by now, but I still will. (laughs) I'll give it a brief breakdown. Uh, Essentially, I'm a professional opera singer, music producer, and bass vocalist. So my day job, if you want to call it that, is singing opera. So I go to a place called the Academy of Vocal Arts, which is a professional training program for opera singers where we are paid to be there to train and get better and also to perform full operatic roles with orchestra and so on. Uh, job number two is it has become a YouTuber over the pandemic. So I started making covers, mostly acapella songs, and then moved into the kind of reaction sphere. But instead of just normal reactions, I do basically musical analysis of songs. So I'll watch a video of a song and give the reaction, but also provide a lot of musical insight into what's going on. Um, And because of that, it has kind of spiraled off into growing other forms of media. Most recently, the Instagram, which Eric mentioned, uh, has just surpassed 100,000 followers, which is uh, pretty wild. But yeah, so the the main things are uh, making my own music and doing these analysis videos. And then the primary thing is uh, singing opera. Very nice. So you were in, well, I want to touch, I want to touch on a lot of social media stuff, but for, before we get to that, um, you were in Santa Fe all summer and I saw all the the posts and everything. Um, Can you touch on that for, well, both myself, but also just everyone listening. So normally you're based out of Philly and then I didn't know this. I thought you were just performing there because of whatever, but then you told me right before we started that you were there all summer. So can you kind of touch on what that was, how you ended up there and kind of your experience? Yeah, of course. So um, once you get past kind of the master's slash artist diploma level of becoming an opera singer, you go into what's called uh, young artist programs. We call it the YAP circuit, Uh, essentially where you are a professional opera singer working for an opera house, but you're likely not the one singing the big roles yet. So you'll do a lot of what's called covering, where you learn the role so you can go on if one of the big principal artists gets sick, and then you sing in the chorus stuff. So the Santa Fe Opera Program um, is one of the best in the world, one of the best in the country, very, very strong program, super competitive, um, gets over a 1,000 applicants of singers each year, and I think they usually accept 40 or so. Um, and the, the Santa Fe Opera, it's, it's a summer festival, and it's one of the best summer festivals in the world. It's like all the biggest singers from around the world who are singing, like the Metropolitan Opera or La Scala in Italy or Berlin Staatsoper, all these huge opera houses around the world during the year. They, a lot of them come to Santa Fe during the summer just because it's a really great summer program. So I was an apprentice singer there for 13 weeks, and so I was one of the young singers doing the covering of the bigger roles and singing in the choruses and getting some training as well too. But um, that's pretty much it. So it's, it's kind of like the last thing you do before you go out and start making your own big career as a soloist. Mm. So, and you mentioned that actually, I think that I remember the first time we talked, you mentioned the maturity of the opera singer often takes a lot longer than your traditional pop or other sorts of uh, genres. So exactly. So that's a big part of it. So for me, I'm 29 now. I turned 29 in August. And as a bass, my voice will take a another realistically 10 to 15 years before I am kind of like a fully fledged mature singer. And so right now it's good for people like me to do programs like that or to be singing in smaller opera houses because we don't really have a shot yet at singing at the big opera houses because they can hire 45 year old fully mature basses. And it's just, 
it, there's just not much competition there between the two kinds of voices. So a lot of people are in that boat now. Like every voice takes time to mature, but just kind of the lower and more dramatic your voice is, the longer it takes to kind of fully get a hold of your sound and everything. Um, so some people in the program were like earlier 20s, like early to mid 20s, like some of the, especially some of the higher voiced singers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of the people with big voices or with low voices, most of them were like right around 30. Mm, gotcha. That makes sense. So actually, so then for your group, the the bass gang, are all of those guys opera guys or are they no, other just genres me. as well? Just you, me. Just you. So what are the other That's... ones doing? Because they're all young. Well, yeah. Ish. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, they're, I think Bobby and Tommy are 23. Marwan's only 18. Um, and the thing about the thing about voice is that you can have a crazy, crazy low vocal range. Like all of their voices are as low as mine, some of them even lower. But in terms of getting like, it's really about power when it comes to opera. It's like power and efficiency and sustainability. And you don't need any of that to sing really low notes and have them sound big and awesome in a studio setting. Mm-hmm. It's only when you get out on stage and you're singing <laughs> against a full orchestra without a microphone that you need all that training. So they're all basses, they're all super low voices, but I'm the only one who is uh, training as an opera singer. Gotcha. Okay, so you're in Santa Fe, you're, you're doing this program, you're covering for some of the other people, you're doing the whole hair, makeup, getting ready for performances, et cetera, et cetera. So what is that experience like for you? Is it different from other other ones you've done? Kind of walk us through the, because you're there for, it's not really, at least in my experience, experience of talking to people who are in I'll say your ish sort of business whether they're musicians or actors or whatever it's usually like you're in one spot for like a week max you do a couple Mm -hmm. shows and then you go to the next place so what is it like for you being in this one place for the whole for the whole summer yeah it's a particularly long festival they do five operas so that's one reason for the length is that um they'll kind of cycle them in and out so even even the principal artists, the people singing the leads, are pretty much living in Santa Fe all summer. For them, it's like a vacation because they sing one show, then have five days off and sing it again. Um, for the apprentice singers, and this was, uh, for me, a big con of the program, um, it is more of like a, an opera chorus contract. So all the guys this summer were, were in four of the shows. So we're performing almost every night once the shows are prepared. The first month is all like heavy, heavy rehearsal. Mm-hmm. music rehearsal and staging rehearsal to get the show up on its feet and then you go into the dress rehearsals and such and then the last two months pretty pretty much july 1st i think was the first performance through august 27th was performances the majority of the nights for sure um for all the apprentice singers um so it was it was it was a lot of performing and it was a long time to be there we were there for 13 weeks mm. how was that on your voice after a certain amount of time like i know you go through the training and etc but even i remember like high school band if we had like a really long like graduation sucked because we were there for like four hours and at at a certain point playing trumpet like your lip like your mouth just gets tired um obviously we didn't we didn't have the amount of training that you guys do but i can only imagine that's taxing on the voice and but i just me saying that i would also imagine that they would know that as well so is it really like is it is it that taxing or is it more of like a, you get used to it or how does that work because you you see that in athletes as well it's like you don't want to overload the athlete and then you see these camps run by professionals where they're doing all sorts of crazy things but it's science it's like there's a lot of science behind okay well we did a lot of this sort of exercise so this muscle group will be more tired so tomorrow we'll do something else a little bit different but for you it's just vocal cords so like how does that how does that work right i mean it is it is a it is a balance of them knowing or acknowledging how much the voice can take and of course the training is what makes it all possible but the the vo- the voice has has a, a shorter limit than most instrumentalists uh, probably all instrumentalists like i know concert pianists can go sit in the practice room and they can play for eight hours once their hands are in really good shape no way a singer can do that not yeah. not a chance because like the just the style of operatic singing is so big so you do have to watch yourself i mean a lot of people um even during performances sometimes would do what's called marking which is basically just singing with less power essentially to conserve energy for future performances so you really 
once you're at this level, the people that are singing in this program, I mean, you get to a point where you really know your voice and you can tell what's the kind of fatigue you can sing through and what's the kind of fatigue you really need to take time off and just chill for a while. Yeah. Um, I didn't really do much marking the whole summer. I pretty much sang full out the whole time. That's just kind of my style. Um, and I never got to a point where I was like, this is now feeling dangerous because if it, if it did get to that point, I would have marked or taken a show off or something mm-hmm. like that. But you really just have to know your own voice at that point. Do people like when they're in the chorus, do like, do they ever like maybe towards the back end of the summer, are they like, all right, I'll mark tonight. You mark tomorrow. So it's like, is there like that sort of give and take type deal <laughs> um, or is that not really a thing? I think people do that, but it's not really a, an agreed upon <laughs> kind of plan some people are just like some people are just like i'm just not gonna sing out tonight and as Mm -hmm. long as half the chorus isn't doing that no one's gonna notice in the audience because it's still a bunch of big voices up there honking away yeah fair (laughs) enough that makes sense so you mentioned the one con and then before before we started recording you mentioned you had several of each one (laughs) yeah yeah uh yeah so the so the first big con and you know maybe they Maybe they'll watch this and be really unhappy with me, but who cares? Um, yeah, the one con for sure is just too much chorus work, which is just a and then and and to put it fairly, that is a product of being a young singer. Like, you know, we're not ready for for those big main stage roles yet, and the people singing them are phenomenal and they've earned it. So it's like I get it. I get that part. But you know, as someone who wants a big solo career, it is tough to sing chorus all summer. That's that. The other part was like I just kind of got exposed to the politics of the opera world before. Mm. And I'd always heard about it. And of course, you know, as well as anyone, politics are in every career, like no matter what you're up against. And I just hadn't really seen it or been exposed to it. And without going into detail, cause I wouldn't go that far. I just got to see some of it kind of up close this summer and it like put a pretty sour taste in my mouth. Mm. So those are the two, those are the two main cons. Yeah. Sure. That always sucks. Cause you just it happened like you said it happens in every almost every I, mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen in an industry please somebody tell me what industry that is but <laughs> right i feel like that happens so often and then it's kind of like well you got to learn how to do it how to play that game and mm-hmm. what's really what's really nuts about it is everyone looks negatively upon it until they benefit from it and it's kind of like a nasty cycle right because it's like you're sitting like i've had my gripes with various industries for that obviously you've seen it now for for you and when when you ask anyone it's always like uh yeah that part of it sucks and then you land a role because you know somebody and then you're like or you land a contract or whatever and then all of a sudden it's like well, it worked out for me this time, so I guess it's okay. I don't yeah. know. It's just like, because there's so many people, well, for you guys less so, but for in other industries, there's so many people that can fill a same, like a similar role that it's really hard to weed through, like, why is this, why is this person better than that one? And so if you know the person, like, it just, I don't know. Yeah. It makes, like, as unfortunate as it is, it makes sense, even though it sucks, but. Yeah, no, that's a part of it. I mean, everyone, like everyone at my level, like everyone's, everyone's really good at this point. Everyone's been training yeah. for a long time. Everyone's performed professionally. And yeah, so some of it does come down to um, connections, of course. And like, that totally makes sense. But you know, some things no, are more still shady. sucks. <laughs> yeah, some some forms of politics are more shady than others. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's 100 percent true. Oh, geez. All right. Well, and that's where we stopped that. Yeah. Well, all right. Moving on. So the social media stuff for you has blown up very recently, as we talked about earlier. What has that been like for you? Because the the reason I ask one, because I'm curious, but two, I can imagine like when I reach out to people who have a certain amount of followers, I just know that I probably won't get a response just because I'm sure they have people all the time like commenting check your dms or do this or do that like have you experienced similar things like how has it been for you have you got like bombarded with stuff have you had to make adjustments in like turning notifications off for instance on your phone when you get like a a million likes on a thing or like (laughs) what has that been like for you that adjustment Uh, 
so fortunately, as far as how much I engage with social media, that hasn't changed much because I've been as removed as possible for a long time now. So I've ne- I, for the, for years, I have not had any notifications on for my social media. So I never, you know, if my phone's on lock screen, I never see when I get a new follower or a new comment or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a thing I've done for my own mental health, basically. Well, I should probably do that. <laughs> it has helped a lot. I mean, my, my screen time is like between one to two hours a day. Well, and I know for, I mean, yeah, I know for, and, and usually that's like checking emails or, Mm-hmm. you know chatting with like people in discord or chatting with the base gang or something very little of it is like scrolling on social media it's been great it's been great so i haven't really changed that um it has been really really exciting like it's exciting like i've been putting out content a lot for the last like two and a half years and some stuff did well on tiktok but tiktok always just felt like it didn't really count because like that platform was like essentially designed to to make people blow up and go viral and and get a big following and instagram historically has been probably the hardest medium to get a big following on at least for the last few years because like on instagram 10 years ago if you had like a really great aesthetic that could build a following if you're like doing the right hashtags and stuff that's dead and gone so um, now that instagram's trying to be more like tiktok now you can build a following with reels um, but it, it, but it's been really cool. And yes, I do get bombarded with tons and tons of messages and it's at the point now where I do check them. I like, I, so I have my primary inbox. That's where you are. That's why when you shoot me a message, I'll see it and I'll respond to it. Um, then I, yeah, <laughs> then, then I have, then I have a general inbox with like, this is mostly people who have been fans of mine since well before I grew like a big following and they've been mm-hmm. just like, regularly commenting and like i you know i mentor some people through that through that inbox basically then there's the requests so then i'll go in and see the requests and then beyond requests there's hidden requests which i have to just go through another folder and it's gotten to the point now where like most of the requests i just delete yeah like i'll usually scroll through and see if like i recognize someone from it that i like someone i know who i just haven't interacted with on instagram and i'll be sure to make i make sure i don't know anybody first but there's so much garbage that comes through those. Like there's like, you know, Bitcoin minor ads and other solicitation <laughs> crap. Like it's rare you get like a a really useful message. The only problem is I do get a lot of messages through there that's just like, hey man, I found your stuff. I love your content. Just like whatever, which is super nice. But I can't put all those people into like the general inbox or primary inbox because I, I do try to respond to all those pretty regularly. And like I can't have five hundred pen pals. No, it's too or many. I'd go, or I go insane. So um, it's a tough thing to do, and I and I feel I gen- genuinely don't feel good about throwing those away because I'm very appreciative of all these people. It's just like a, it's it's a logistical decision. It's just like yeah. I, I can't have that many people in my inboxes that I actually respond to. No, of course, and I I wanted to touch on that one just because I don't think people understand that they're like well you respond like not you but like people will respond occasionally to like some person and oftentimes you just have to be lucky because i don't like people don't get like even on my soccer page right like i don't the amount of random messages that i get from like people who are saying hey i like you're real or this or that like it's like i don't I can respond most of the time because I'm not nearly close to what yours is, but like I, I can imagine so, timesing that by a hundred and then it's like, okay, well yeah. that's uh that's not, and it sucks because I remember when we spoke the first time you had, you had this kind of, right. You've got the discord and, and everything, but you seem like the person who would, Gen, like generally try and go go through a lot of those hey i really like your content and say hey they thanks so much like appreciate mm-hmm. it like and then that would still be the end of it but it gets to the point where and I, I think people get uh a little bit upset if they don't get they're like oh it's just one message but yeah it's just one message of a gazillion of them yeah so i felt no, like that I mean, was important I, I could, to touch on absolutely i could quite literally like from when I wake up until I go to bed, be responding to messages, whether it's YouTube comments or requests on Instagram. Oh, well, or, stay out of the YouTube comments anyways. Or have, 
<laughs> I know, right? Or heaven forbid all the comments on like the Instagram. Now, what I do every time I log on, I will go and I will, resp- I will respond to a chunk of Instagram comments and then like a few more. Mm-hmm. And if something's not blowing, if something's not going viral, usually that covers like a, a good chunk of them, at least like a third mm-hmm. or so. If something's going viral, that just barely scratches the surface, but that's just the way it is. Like, I think one of the, I think that feeling good video, I haven't checked lately, but it must have like four or 5,000 comments on it. Which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like 300,000 likes, 3.2 million views, thousands of comments. So like I've probably responded to, I'd say 250 or 300 comments on that, which is pretty darn good. Yeah, I'd say you so. Know. People like, don't like people don't get how many it really is though. Like if you step back and think about it, like the amount of followers that you, that you have, and you compare to like the ones that have millions and millions of followers as well, like you have enough people following you to fill up FedEx Field and more. And people like when you think about it in that terms, like holy shit, that's a lot of people. And people like just see the number on the thing. And I've had conversations with people about this. They're like, I messaged so and so. Why didn't they respond? And I was like, because they're busy, dude. Don't have time for you. They don't know you. Like. It's not personal. Yeah. They just don't know you. Like they've got other things to do. It becomes it becomes a personal thing. And I, yeah, and I, I I get this now because there's there's the people who who I've been historically we have some kind of dialogue because we've been interacting for the last two years. Yeah, but they're not like they're not like a close personal friend. Right. You know, sometimes it'll be it'll be a while before I respond back. It'll be days or a week or something, mm-hmm. and. um it just it just doesn't work the same way as the people I've known forever, or like someone like you who I have a dialogue with and yeah. you know, on your podcast and stuff. It's like if people in that group message me, I'm very likely going to get back to them the same day. Yeah. If you're, if you're not in that camp, it's like kind of it's like whenever I have a minute where I just want to sit down and and respond to people, you mm-hmm. know. And you have to make that like a a like what's the word I'm looking for a designated like five minutes where you go do that like exactly because then you'll just get lost in it you gotta like set a timer and be like all right after this i'm i'm done um i want to i want to touch on the tiktok stuff a bit because i've not put my soccer stuff on it people keep telling me that i should and i didn't because my previous job um security things and whatnot Mm -hmm. but i'm not there anymore and i feel like now that i should probably do that I feel I feel both irresponsible for not getting it, and also I would fear, feel irresponsible getting it. If that makes sense, <laughs> I don't know. How has it been for you? Has it treated you well so like thus far? I mean, I would think so, but um, I've never liked TikTok. I mean, I I I'm a full supporter of anyone who wants to who wants to get on there and get after it because I think a big ter- a big part of TikTok is how much you put out. It's kind of like buying a lottery ticket every time you make a video because any video could go bananas if you've watched tiktok you know that there's a bunch of bullshit that has gotten a ton of attention and there's a bu- and there's a bunch of incredible stuff that has just never seen the light of day and so it's really a crapshoot so something i'm horrible at is a being trendy and b posting regularly on there um and my tiktok like i had a few that did really well like last fall kind of when i first started posting those stairwell videos like Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands nothing ever got into the millions um a few of them like i think one got six hundred thousand. i think that was the most the Mm -hmm. biggest one i ever did um but lately i've been posting the stairwell videos and like nothing's happening and i'm just like do i even need tiktok at this point like because clearly Instagram probably not Instagram yeah, is working quite clearly, well. Clearly Instagram like I posted a video earlier today on Instagram and it has like 30,000 plays already and like 4,000 likes and I'm like why am I still bothering with TikTok yeah. especially since I never even liked the medium. Like I actually have always liked Instagram as a medium, you know. Yeah. Just just interfacing on it. So yeah, I mean, I, anyone who wants to get on TikTok, I say absolutely go for it. Start posting stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not really my thing anymore. Fair enough. The, the algorithm has always been such a weird thing for mm-hmm. me and other people I talk to. Is like you'll post it and then it will do nothing for an hour and then you'll like repost it and then it'll boom. It's like it's the exact same post, literally the exact same. It's like this makes right. no sense. Right. What am I missing here? Yeah. And then just like the little things that – like even some of the engineers, I don't think like, like they get it, but like, I, 
<laughs> I get the feeling that it's like a bit out of hand, a little bit. Yeah, I wonder how much the AI has like taken hold. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the the robots are taking over. They like, are. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Sooner or later, I don't know. Elon said that we were gonna be able to talk without speaking. So. Oh, with Neuralink. Yeah. Yeah. He, that's... he is something else. I guess. I guess is he gonna buy Twitter now? I think. I think he is. I, I don't well, know. Was at some point. Yeah, he's a genius. He's like a he's like a Leonardo da Vinci type. It's just like he's just his brain is just so far away from pretty much everyone else's on the yeah. planet. It must be like really lonely to be him, honestly. I I was thinking that. He was on Rogan one time and like somebody commented like you can see like the pain in his face from like knowing yeah. a bunch of stuff and it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I didn't think about it like that before. Honestly, he's like pretty awkward probably. I think that's probably a big part of it. Is like mm-hmm. someone says something and his brain does like a bajillion calculations. And then he like responds almost like a robot. Yeah, he has to. He's like, all right, I could respond in these thousand ways and they would all be socially unacceptable. And he gets to the one that's right. It's like um, Rogan was talking about actually on a separate interview, how hard it was to get anything out of him for like the first hour. Uh, The first the first time they talked. And then the second time, I think it was a bit better. Um, The first time he made he he convinced him to smoke weed. So that that was that was good. But when they were talking about like the this is a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I always enjoy it when they're talking about selling the flamethrowers. Do you remember that that clip? No, I don't remember. It's been a while since I listened to that episode. uh, The clip pops around every like six months. He's like, why did you make flamethrowers? Like, don't think like, didn't you think that that was a bad idea? And he was like, oh, yeah, it's a horrible idea. That's why we called it not a flamethrower. He's like. How many did you make? And he's like, 20,000. It's like, they sold out in three days. It's like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's a horrible idea. I told people to not buy them, but still they bought them. And I was like, <laughs> like of course they're going to buy them, dude. <laughs> right. But just like the deadpan and like Rogan Geeks, it's just, I don't know. It's yeah, like, he's, he's, his mind is just so like, I don't even know. It's so thinks, weird. I was just probably thinks radically differently about pretty much everything. Yeah, I would think so. That's why he made his rocket more pointy because of Borat. Oh wait, maybe it, was, it wasn't Borat. <laughs> the dictator, I think it was. He made his rocket more pointy because of the dictator. Rogan was like, "Does it make it fly better?" He was like, "No." I remember seeing that clip. <laughs> That's hilarious. Just like the audacity, like you're sending something into space with people on it, and you're like, "Let's make it yeah. more pointy because of a can, movie." Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. He's like, he knows it's not going to affect it enough to like make it blow up. So like, yeah, let's just have yeah. fun with it, I guess. Oh, I don't know. This, yeah. Life is, life is, things have gone in a, I don't know. So the base gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are too many tangents. Like there are, we, we could go out like this would be one that we'd have to get you back on in like six months when you have more time. Um, <laughs> yeah. This would really turn could, into a, a Rogan podcast in three hours. Yeah. Um, so the base gang, you guys have put out, is your new, do you have a new project coming out soon? Did I see that? We, we do. And it's, it is our biggest, coolest project yet for sure. We say that every time, but like it actually is because everything we keep raising the bar with our stuff. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. So this is, do you know when this podcast episode is going to come out? That might, Uh, it will be not this coming Monday, but the one after. So Halloween actually. All right, perfect. It'll be out by then. Yeah, we are doing a cover of Hide and Seek, which is a uh, ding dong. I know you can hear me. That mm-hmm. song that's like all over TikTok with the girl, uh, Lauren Paley, who is the one she's the stairwell siren. She's like huge on TikTok and YouTube. Mm. She has like 8.5 million on TikTok followers Jesus. And, and like 2 million on YouTube and I think her video got like 50 million plays or something of her singing this song in a stairwell, kind of like mine. She's kind of the OG stairwell singer. So we got her to come sing on the track with us. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Because she's done stuff with Bobby because Bobby's also huge on TikTok. So he's done a number of like little videos with her. So it's hide and seek featuring Lauren Paley and the music video guy we hired. So we all shot with green screen, like storyboarded. We did makeup and costumes and stuff. But we all shot alone like we have from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And the guy who's doing the video is um, his name's David Locke, I'm pretty sure. And he's done he's done video content for literally people like PewDiePie, like the biggest YouTube channel on YouTube. <laughs> oh, um, shit. Yeah. So we like we threw some money on this project and I think we get the final cut tomorrow. 
and it's going to be like really awesome. So that's that's coming out publicly next Monday on October twenty fourth. That will be that will be awesome. I might have to like clip this up and put it out the day that it comes out or something. Um, <laughs> that'll be yeah. that'll be it, really it, cool. It, it should get a lot of attention. We'll see. Um, you never know, but well, that's will. really cool for you guys because I've seen watching the growth that you guys have done as well just like there's a few groups not just musical but other ones who started to like throw money at different things and like the starting to like raise the bar every time and it's really cool to be able to see all these people do it independently outside of the the normal channels that you would expect from like 20 years ago you gotta go through a record label or this or that and to really see the amount of people who are so talented be able to just not have to go through all that and just put it out themselves and let sort of, well, the algorithm, but just let like the market kind of decide for itself what people yeah. like and don't like. And it's been, I'm sure you've seen this more because you're dialed into the music world, especially the acapella with your reactions and other things. But to see these people just like blow up, like I never would have heard of Jeff Castellucci if, if it was, if we were 20 years ago, never would have heard of him, mm-hmm. but like his right. stuff is amazing. Or um, amazing. his group, yeah. uh, voice plays, I think voice is his play. group. Yeah. yeah. Voice play. What yeah. are your like? Have you you've seen the same? I'm assuming. What are your thoughts on that? Like, kind of. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you really like. I think managers and stuff like that help you get in the door of like really big things. Mm-hmm. But you can get a long way on your own nowadays. Um, I have a lot of faith in the bass gang as a group because the like the talent is there and the work ethic is there. And yeah, we've seen growth and like we've seen pretty moderate growth, like not as much as we would like, but the the content's really good. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that just with enough time, with enough good projects, it'll start to snowball like crazy. Um, but yeah, I think it's really cool that musicians can, you can blow up on TikTok and go from there or Instagram Reels or YouTube and you don't have to somehow get discovered by some agent or some manager. You really can you really can do it yourself for a while. The other cool thing about doing it yourself is you get all the revenue from it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like all the streaming, all the merch, every every cent from Patreon, like that goes straight to us. We don't have to give 20% to an agent or a manager or anything like that. And that's the same for my personal stuff currently too. Um, So that's, that's really great. And you know, one thing they would do is ideally gets you more revenue coming in. Um, cause that's good. That would be good for them as well. But it, it's, uh, I mean, it, it becomes, a like a very solid secondary income that you can build up all on your own. Yeah. And the other, well, for you, I think for me as well, if you enjoy doing it, like I enjoy having these conversations, I learn tons of stuff from everybody I talk to. It's like, it doesn't feel like work, if that makes sense. Like, and even though for me, like I'm not even close to like what you guys are doing revenue wise, but it doesn't feel like a chore. It's like, what would I be doing with this time? Otherwise it's like, I feel like I'm filling it with something that's actually productive. And I think a lot of the people that have decided that they want to go do something for themselves have that sort of, I don't know. It's just very cool to me to see this all take off in the, in the way that it has. Um, and the internet yeah. has made that, be possible with i mean all all the problems that come with it and stuff but yeah Yeah, that's great Um, for it's great for creators absolutely did you also see that they're doing the the tags for youtube now oh the handles yeah handles yeah 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 i did see that yeah so that'll be it is i think they should have done that forever ago it's like to be honest yeah Um, (laughs) it just makes sense like people don't want to have a whole like URL to like type in and do this and that. Silly. But... silly. Um, YouTube's also pushing shorts a lot now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh boy, is YouTube also going to try and be more and more like they TikTok? are? They are. It's the same. All of my, like all of yep. my most viewed things are all reels and, um, and shorts. And honestly, I just hmm. post repost this. So I make the reel and then there's like that function where you can save the camera roll. And I just do that, and then I re-upload it as the short. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I, I did that a lot with those old TikToks, but I haven't mm-hmm. done it lately. I'm definitely going to do that with my new Reels. Yeah, the Reels, yeah, like, might you as could, well, right? You would probably, well, because it takes, like, an extra 
30 seconds. It doesn't take that long to do it. Yeah. That's um, especially mobily. Like I know you got like the audio on mine doesn't really matter. Like I've got a friend that is trying to make his own music stuff. And so I can put all his music on it. So I don't have to worry about somebody like, hmm. Hey, take this down. Mm-hmm. Um, but audio wise, like, I don't know if it would degrade if you did the save to camera roll or if it's already in, like embedded enough in the video, but yeah, it's really, is, it's really simple. So mine is literally, I, I like these stairwell videos. I go out in the stairwell for like five minutes. I'll do a few takes, but it, it is the final product is literally just the iPhone video. Oh, shit. Like no editing, no filtering, no, like literally the completely raw iphone video so it is so funny because it is like the lowest amount of effort with the most it's like the craziest return on investment ever so for me i i wouldn't even need to create a reel and then download it like i already have the file just in my camera roll so i just throw yeah, that so, on YouTube i mean so then you're YouTube good short. yeah so, yeah well the only reason probably- the only reason I have to download it is because I use Instagram to put the music on it with the reel so that it like puts it yeah, together for me. The small editing. Yeah. Um, when you guys record videos for the bass gang, mm. and I thought about this with, oh, I don't remember which one it was. You were wearing like, your face was painted white and black. It was like, a, it looked like a Halloween uh, type Emperor's, thing. Emperor's new clothes. Yeah, that one. Um, how do you guys decide what because those are very artistic choices versus other uh, acapella groups that maybe just like they'll have they'll, like they'll stand in a certain way or they'll do this or that but you guys have the very much and I know part of it is because you guys are across the world but how do you guys come to the conclusions of like all right this is what we're going to do with with this one because it's very stark like you click the video and it's like whoa like there they are yeah, yeah that that's our most popular one um so far uh the one you just mentioned i mean it, it comes back to whoever's putting together the storyboard so whose video it's going to be that one was marwan marwan was like let's do this weird like creepy like dark eyes with like weird mm-hmm. shade and then let's wear something kind of formal because that's like a because it's a panic at the disco song and that's a panic at the disco thing like brandon yuri will often mm-hmm. be wearing like a nice suit so it was like Halloween plus Panic at the Disco. Um, that was the choice for that one. And then as far as like, you'll notice in some of those videos, there are like coordinated moves. Like there's one there where we all go like this at the same time. Yeah. And so that's something where it's in the storyboard. It's just like at this moment in the song, whether it's a timestamp or when the lead is singing this part, like do this with your head to the right. And usually um, whoever's making the video will have like a little sample video of it. So you can see exactly how it's supposed to look if it's too complicated to explain, but that's how we coordinate all those moves. And it, it, it is a big logistical nightmare um, to set up a storyboard when you're dealing with people all over the planet, but that's it. We decide on costumes, we decide on makeup. And for most of the songs, most of the time you just kind of trust us. We trust each other to just, do and look what feels right for whatever's being sung but sometimes you want some really specific stuff that that the the creator has they have a vision for it Mm -hmm. um there were a number of them in this upcoming video um and i'll just tell you a little bit about it because this won't come out till it comes out um the idea for the video is that part of it is going to be lauren paley singing her part and she's going to have the four of us like marionettes on her hands mm-hmm. like holding us like little wooden dolls basically and so the, so there were some videos where we took and like marwan who made the arrangement and did the storyboard wanted us to just kind of like stand and sing as if we were like little weird dolls and that's going to be when she's doing this shit with her hands so oh, that'd be like, cool so stuff like that and i have no idea what it's going to look like and marwan's been getting all the updates from from uh it's either Dylan Locke or David Locke. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's been saying like, guys, you are just not going to believe what he's doing with this video. So I'm actually going to make my own video for it. Um, whenever I probably tomorrow sometime, if I have time do like a, for like a reaction and analysis video. Uh, but there, there are a lot of moments like that that are specifically choreographed just because of like this whole aesthetic we're trying to go for. That'll be sick. I'm actually really excited to watch that. Um, that'll be really cool. Do you have a favorite um, bass gang video that you've made thus far? 
and well, I guess do you guys do you guys rotate through like whoever does the arrangement and storyboard, or does it depend? Or so like, is it does it go in a specific order, or does it just like I want to do this one, I'll do the next one, yeah, deal. pretty much. I'll do this one, you do the next one. Um, if we do an if we, for our EPs, which have each been four songs, we each do one of them. Hmm, but sense, the yeah. video the video stuff's been changing a lot lately. Like for the first one, I think everyone made their own video except Bobby's sister made his. But all the all the arrangement, all the music was done by us, of course. For this latest EP, um, I think Marwan and Tommy both made their own videos, but Bobby and I both used Bobby's sister. Nicole, because she's in film school, so she's good at video editing. Oh, fair enough. We both used her, and then for audio, lately we've been getting, we've been hiring people to mix and master it. So whoever's making the song, like go through all the shenanigans of like getting all the recordings together, getting everything tuned properly, but then we send it to someone else to do the mixing, and then do a a mastering engineer to get like the final like you know radio sound basically mm-hmm. um so we've been hiring out more and more and like for this video because we have this incredible like famous collaborator lauren and because we now have significant funds coming in through patreon we're like let's just ball out a little bit and we'll hire this like major video editor to do this video and we'll hire a mixing engineer masking engineer we'll we'll drop a lot of dough for the cover art it's just like we're just like now that we have the funds, that's what we're going to mm-hmm. use them for, right? We're just like, here, let's make this as good as possible. So yeah. it should be very exciting. Apparently, also, um, the video editor for this one, like, I think bought and then, of course, expanded upon, like, some kind of crazy, like, 3D haunted house model that he's also going to use in the video. And so, like, we're going to, instead of just being, like, green screen with, like, a whatever's happening in the background, I think we're actually going to be in, like a house or something that'll um, be it's gonna be i think it's gonna be pretty nuts i'd say so some of these video editors man can do wild things like obviously i have to know a, a basic amount to do my stuff and you for your um for your reactions and some of your other stuff but like yeah. the ones who are like actual video editors can do some really like yeah amazing things that well, you wouldn't like even think or attempt like some of the stuff i see it and i'm like i could try to learn how to do that on whatever software but also i I don't really want to (laughs) going off this this is this since we're on this subject um Mm -hmm. did i talk about my my big music video that's actually coming up really soon now last time we talked do you do you when did we talk last time that'll inform let me look real quick it was it was I want to. I want to say spring. Yeah, let's see. I'll even. Let's see. It was. It came out March twenty seventh. March twenty seventh. Okay, so that was like probably a month after the planning had started for this big music video I'm doing. You might have um, mentioned it a bit. I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna lie. I don't remember. And if yeah, you want to refresh yeah. everybody, go for it. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth it. So I made a cover of Enemy by Imagine Dragons. It's the theme song for the show Arcane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started recording it like last November, like a few weeks after the show came out. And the music video for it that started last November is coming out this November. So it's been like a whole year of... So basically what happened is I, I made the audio and the audio is this really crazy blend of like my whole past as an EDM, like mostly dubstep electronic music producer and this new bass vocal, like vocal harmony stuff. There's even a little bit of like opera stuff thrown in there. Um, Just like kind of like, like sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. So it's like this crazy new genre. I've certainly never heard anyone attempt before. Um, And I started, and I showed the audio to a couple of the guys in the bass gang. They were like, this is something special. You should really consider kind of, falling out on a video for it instead of just doing like our normal kind of green screen thing which Mm -hmm. looks cool but like you should really invest and like make this something special so i reached out to a production company they got back to me at the end of the first phone call of course i had the figure of like two or three grand in my head at most like i'm really gonna ball out and spend two thousand bucks on this thing and i get to the end of the call and they're like i think if we if we go at it a certain way we can get it done for like ten thousand (laughs) dollars 
<laughs> and I was like, in that moment, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's. I'm gonna make it happen. Like, yeah, come let's on. Just go, let's just go for it. Like, if I, I could, if I absolutely had to, I could pull from my savings to take care of it. But like, right after that phone call, I like got on, started a GoFundMe, started raising the money, raised twelve thousand dollars in like three weeks. Oh well, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. <laughs> Um, and then I went back and, and this whole time me and the producer are talking about concept of the video and what we want for it. And then I asked the producer, I was like, do you think we could also do like a behind the scenes, like mini documentary, just like basically just shot during the, mm-hmm. the video shoot, which ended up being a 10 hour shoot in one day, just a huge shoot. Um, she's like, yeah, we could probably do that for $3,000. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to my goal for the campaign, change it to $15,000. And I got the next $3,000 in like a week. So people Damn. are just like launching money in my direction for this project, which was amazing. It was incredible, like seeing the amount of support. So the video shoot was May 18th. Um, I, I took care of all the costumes and stuff. But we had like a, we had a hair and makeup lady. We had the background scenes guy. We had head of photography. We had like full film crew. It was like very legit, like super legit in a big film studio, which was in itself an amazing experience. And then for the next six weeks after that, it was this world-class video editor and my producer like us being in touch then sending sending over drafts me saying what i like what i didn't like and i think about the end of july i had the final video and then like a week or two later i had the like final behind the scenes video um it is absolutely insane it is like so 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 far above anything i've done in the past which is like what you'd hope for and expect if you're going to put $12,000 into a music video. Yeah. But, but it is really, so it is, I'm, I'm calling it my crowning achievement as an artist, like, because the music is really interesting and it's like this crazy blend of like bass vocals and dubstep and all this stuff. It's already a really popular song enemy by imagine dragons. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the most popular songs of the last year. Um, and the video is absolutely insane absolutely insane and so you were just saying like seeing things that like the video editors do that you couldn't imagine mm-hmm. like so much of this shit in this video i just like it just wouldn't have even popped in my head that something like this was possible oh it's amazing you know, that kind of thing so that that video is coming out november 6th all right november 6th october november 24th 6th. well the other one will be out already that's really cool genuinely i'm very happy for you i can see it i can like see it on your face and like that you're really that you're really proud of it i Um, have never been more proud of anything so has that well actually so i have two two questions the first is like that must be cool to see all the support pop in for like the amount of people that really that like fuck with your music enough to want to get like give you some money to help to like see the product and then also from the fan i can imagine from the people giving the money it's like wow i get to be a part of like funding this thing that'll be super cool so that must be cool and then the second question or thought i had is has this opened your sort of like brain to new possibilities of like different things like more like connections you've made within the studio now you've had the experience doing like you've learned some things like for maybe if the bass gang comes and you all do something there like yes uh part a yes super cool to see the support like amazing like people just like lobbing a thousand dollars in my direction and like this is at this point it's literally the gofundme is like a short video of me explaining the project Mm -hmm. and then like a written description of the project obviously they can't see any of the project because this was like six months before it's done right so this is them just like trusting that whatever I like put my effort into is going to be a good enough product that it's worth them donating that much money. So very cool to have that much like faith as uh, from my, from my followers. And then of course it's a big responsibility. It's like, all right, now I have the money. Now I got to deliver on this. thing, yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, and B yeah, this new genre I've been describing this like blend of things I've been doing. I've now started an entire album an album's worth of music, all covers, all in this like bass vocal slash like EDM, usually with some dubstep stuff vibes. Um, I, I actually, <laughs> funny story, pretty much every, every night backstage at the Santa Fe Opera, <laughs> like the last six weeks of the program, I would just be 
producing music and then i would get called out on stage to <laughs> sing some core stuff and then i'd come back headphones on producing dubstep that's hilarious it's like the two most separate worlds possible like happening right there and yeah so now i have about 12 songs fully fleshed out as far as the foundation has gone like drums synths orchestration all that stuff and i just started tracking the vocals for them recently they all so huh are they all covers all covers yeah i have one original but i don't think i'm gonna put it on this album i think i'll throw that on whenever i make an original album of this kind of music which is like the long-term goal yeah um but yeah and it's so i'm super excited about that i have no idea when all of that will be done i mean and of course ideally it'd be cool if i could shoot you know at least a couple more really high quality music videos for this stuff coming out on that album so we'll see how this first one does i have high hopes but you never know and maybe I can start like a kind of perpetual music video fund in a way. If people are really taken mm-hmm. by this one, they'll be like, oh, I would love to give money for his next one kind of thing. It'd be it'd be absolutely incredible to to be able to shoot more videos like in that high quality. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Well, you said you had an hour. Well, I have basically an hour. So Yeah, we are. That flew by. It always does. It always does when the conversations are good. I feel like, I think I mentioned this last time, but even though you and I have like don't really know each other, I feel like we like, I don't know. The conversations just seem to vibe and go. So yeah, yeah they it's always pretty, they it's, always it's fly by. Easy, it's pretty easy chat. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So we've got October twenty fourth. Um, yeah, October twenty fourth for the, the base gang. Uh, hide yep. and seek. Yep, hide and seek, and then November sixth for Lauren Paley, Lauren Paley, the stairwell siren herself, and then November sixth is the cover of Enemy by Imagine Dragons. Awesome. Any last, uh, any last nickels? No, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe I can come back on after uh, after that music video has run its course, and we can uh, we can see how it did. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, that'd be awesome for sure. All right. yeah, everybody go check his stuff out. I'm sure uh, if you're listening to this, you probably came from from <laughs> Peter. But if you didn't, go check his stuff out. It's really good. Um, the reaction videos as well. Look for the uh, the Pit Vipers if you're still doing that. That's the best part of all the reaction <laughs> yeah, videos. Right all right, we'll end on this. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.